From the short tracks to the super speedways, from two wheels to four wheels, it's Revved Up ATX on the Horn with Bobby Chaffee and Rodney Rodriguez. This is where Austin talks racing. Man, it is where Austin talks racing. It, it seems like forever that we've done this. We kind of lost that for a second. Hashtag Real Race Talk, Revved Up ATX on the Horn. Happy Saturday morning. Saturday morning lineup rolling on. Bobby Chaffee across the way. Rodney Rodriguez. Give the show a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Revved Up ATX. Glad to be back at it once again. Bobby, I, I tell you, it um, I, I, there's so much to talk about to try to pull all this into one hour of uh, what we're about to do. It uh, So much. It's a lot. I, I mean, uh, we talked about it on the live cast. The soap opera of racing continues. And it's not just in NASCAR. It's in all kinds of divisions mm-hmm. of all kinds of stuff to catch up on and everything. So it's becoming a it becomes a challenge to keep up with it, especially. But we, we enjoyed the Texas spring game. Uh, so, you know, a little preempted last week. But we have a lot of fun uh, on our off weekend, so to speak. But, yeah, uh, the, the show goes on and the story never ends. Isn't that the radio song? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good old country song that uh, somebody sings. Uh, uh, you know about that, and uh, we got to talk to our man Ty. I mean Ty Ty Henderson. I mean he goes with. Uh, he calls me on Sunday. He's like, I got to pick somebody to win, and uh, he he takes Larson, turns two hundred fifty bucks into nine fifty. That's pretty good, and that's why you bet on NASCAR. It's the same thing, right? We got the bell today. It's um, I mean sports betting. It's a good thing. It still works. Well, when you win, it works. It's when you lose is when it's not so much fun. But uh, Ty got lucky. I would not have put my money on Larson because he doesn't have the greatest track record there at Martinsville. It's a track that he self-proclaims, thinks he sucks at, and doesn't think he's very good at. Uh, For him to pull out that W with a little bit of strategy, we'll talk more about it later in the show. In a very lackluster race, uh, NASCAR still needs to work on this short track package. Mm -hmm. So on the show, great point right there. We will talk about uh, later in the show. We'll talk NASCAR, talk about uh, that race as it was. We'll talk about all the fines and penalties and everything that keeps happening. Uh, Later, pit stop news and notes, uh, places for races. All of that continues to happen. We'll uh, discuss all of that, but uh, let's dive in. The, the, The whole shot. Let's hit the whole shot we did not have a show last weekend and that kind of sucked because moto gp moto gp was in town we didn't get to talk a lot about that but uh, moto gp with uh again that's a that's a whole different audience that comes in to uh, be a part of uh austin texas uh, racing and alex wrens winning that race on the honda and uh, i mean how about that i mean there you go i mean it's always been mark marquez the man in charge over at coda but uh, how about alex wrens i mean third third appearance on that honda and here he is winning at coda that that right there was uh, some pretty good stuff it really was an interesting race when you get to watch it from start to finish because of the dynamic. of It's just the dynamic of MotoGP. It's so different than everything yep. else that we watch. Yep. You know, the two wheels versus four wheels, open wheel, stock car, whatever the case may be there at Coda. But the way the bikes just get around there is so unique, and it's so cool to see those bikes kicked over. Not even a 45-degree angle. I mean, they're at least at a... Of you know a thirty degree angle in some some of them corners over there, but you know seeing the knee pads inches off the ground, it's so cool to watch those bikes get around those turns. But um, it, you're right, it's such a different demographic too that comes to Coda for that race too. Not only are the 
the drivers considerably more diverse. Riders, uh, riders, riders, riders. That's riders. right, riders, not drivers. Uh, <laughs> they're they're considerably driving. more diverse, you know, than, than they are, uh, you know, in, in the other series that come. So it's um, it's a cool deal. It was uh, looked like it was a fun race, and uh, I mean, obviously Alex had a good time just because he took home the checkers. So well, and the whole thing with that is this is where we go back to the soap opera part of what what we'll talk about with the NASCAR stuff coming up later on is is Renz wins this race. Mark Marquez not in the race, and I had a lot of folks that were reaching out. I, I know Bucky and Aaron were talking on Monday about Mark Marquez throwing up in his helmet during the sprint race. That was not Mark Marquez. That was Alex Marquez, which you think about that. I, I mean, what, what what does that tell you? It, um, I mean, how sick is that literally? How, how sick is that racetrack? Alex Marquez, uh, I mean, you know, the question comes up a lot of times about racers. You know, uh, how do you um, how do you take a pee? How, how do you do if, if, if you got to do what you got to do? Alex Marquez and another rider. Uh, I mean, they literally got sick in turn 12 and with Mark with, with Alex Marquez in the sprint race, he got sick, threw up in his helmet. Uh, however you want to say that, I hope you're not having breakfast right now, but uh, that's what he did. And he wrecked himself. And that's uh, <laughs> talk about the speeds and everything that, that we see with uh, these bikes. I mean, what does that tell you, dude, that that's how badass this stuff is. Well, I really think it's crazy because, you know, I mean, if you've ever had a helmet on, it fits super duper tight all the way around your mm -hmm. head, all the way around your yeah. cheekbones, into yep. your mouth, all that. It's There's fit, not a lot fit, of room for anything for, extra. Yeah, it's fit for your face. I mean, those helmets, I mean, they fit them for your face and your head. And then you get out there on that elevation and all this. And and he had had something that happened at some point and uh, he didn't feel well. And it's like, OK, I'm not pulling off the track. I'm just going to regurgitate on myself. <laughs> I mean, that's a racer. That's a racer, and we're not talking about car racers. We're talking about a dude on a bike hauling ass, um, like you talked about when they're laying that knee over. I'm like, are, are you kidding me? That is sick. That is sick. Um, that's crazy. That is literally crazy. It's sick in a different way this week, right? That's something yeah. we see. The the, mon the the NASCAR driver that's most known for it is. Noah Gregson has a tendency to do that in his car, mm -hmm. uh, but I can't imagine. Do I mean I can't imagine doing it in any form of motorsports, but especially on a bike. There's not a lot of give on that. Uh, no. you, you tweak that front wheel a little bit, and you're you're done, right? You're going to be pavement. Mm -hmm. You're going to be riding the pavement for a little bit. Yeah. So <laughs> that happens, and that was a confusion. I know a lot of folks asking about Marquez. Yes, it was Marquez, but not not Mark Marquez. He was not in this race is this is where we go to the uh to the soap opera part of uh racing because now uh, with with Renz coming in I mean nobody I, I think it had been since like 2018 nobody had won a MotoGP race on a Honda until Alex Renz uh, other than Mark Marquez goes out and wins that and now you gotta if you're Mark Marquez sitting back uh, home thinking about all of this and it's like okay here's the competition. I mean, it's like what we see in formula one, you know, with, with Lewis Hamilton and all these guys, it's like, Oh man. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think. And, and Marquez is supposed to be back end of, end of April uh, at Spain. So we'll see uh, how all that comes about. But now, now you got this Renz kid that comes in here and, and does some really cool stuff. And, and it was, 
this was not expected. This was not something that folks thought was going to happen. But he comes out here and he wins this, and and he's joining a really cool company. I mean, only two different uh, riders have won on Japanese manufactured uh, bikes: uh, Suzuki and the Honda with uh, with with Max Bianchi and and our man uh, Maverick uh, Maverick uh, Vinales, best name in racing. But um, how about that? I mean, now Mark Marquez has got to be thinking, who's this guy? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those you just got to wonder, uh, the mindset. Every time you come back from an injury, you're sitting there, you got to be okay. Uh, anytime there's a new young gun. You know, one thing, it's like I always said, you're right. One win could be considered a fluke. That's why you always want two, uh, in my opinion, so that you can prove that the first one wasn't. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, the, the challenge of any writer when you see new competition makes you understand your own level of, uh, what do you say, your own level of uh your own level of competition, so to speak, right? Yeah. It's how you raise the intestinal fortitude and stuff like that. And I think the uh, the biggest part of this is when we go back and we look at everything happening uh, there there at Coda with this. I mean, think about it. NASCAR just went out the door. Here you have MotoGP coming up on on April twenty second and twenty third. The Ferrari Challenge is there, and then you got the uh, in May first. Uh, I think the second week in May, the eleventh uh, or the fourteenth. Through the twenty first, you have the uh, the GT World Challenge, which to us, I mean, to me, that's the coolest part. I mean, that, that's the supercars. That's the one that you want to go watch. I think that's going to be really cool, and all of that right in our backyard with Coda. And the pace will be empty, unfortunately. Not a lot of people will travel for those. Yeah. Not a lot of local people will go just because it doesn't have the name brand, right? Uh, as some of these other races, but th- those shows like that are some of the best racing you see at Coda, just because the competition's so close in some of those series. Yeah, and that really is the cool part. Uh, I recommend for you to get out there because you can. You can ease right in. If you go to Formula One, you go to NASCAR, and 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 you don't like having to struggle to get in there. For those races, you won't have to struggle to get in. You will just sashay right in, that I like to say, and um, it's going to be some of the best racing uh, that you're going to find. So MotoGP uh, making its way back into uh, Austin again, and uh, really cool stuff. All right, let's dive in. I want to talk about IndyCar. NASCAR can wait. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. So Kyle uh, Kyle Kirkwood wins um, at, at Long Beach, and that's uh, that race right there. I mean, that... that um, that's a statement win for him. And um, I know there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about uh, that came after the race. But how about this? If you're Alexander Rossi, you step away, you go to a different place. Here's this dude. Kirkwood dives in and he wins in the Andretti 27 <laughs> at Long Beach. And it's like, uh, okay, soap opera theme of the weekend right here on Revved Up ATX. Well, I think what made it even worse for Rossi is this finish to that race where he ran into the tire barrier, yep. easily running inside the top 10, ends up have barely getting a top 20 finish because he hits the fence in the last corner mm-hmm. or in the last lap, rather. So that was, you know, insult to injury to see your old ride picking up a win. Kirkwood dominated that weekend. Uh, him and Joseph Newgarden, a couple of those guys really dominated yep. the weekend. He ran, he ran the pole, got the pole and the race win. And what you, I would consider Long Beach one of the majors, right? I think it's one of the premier events there in IndyCar because it's been such a phenomenal event over the last, what, 30 something years. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it really is. I mean, just look at Andretti. I mean, with Michael, you know, Michael wins his first uh, IndyCar race right there at, at, at Long Beach and, and, and the, the, his 
last race was there. Mario actually won a Formula One race there. I mean, that really dictates how big of a race that is. It, um, it you can kind of w- with the influx of all of the road courses and the big races that are coming up. It uh, that is one of the staples right there for him to win that. So so that's really a big deal right there. And and, and I think the other thing, like you're talking about right there, uh, Bobby, is with Andretti. I mean, they, they dominated the weekend. You know, Grosjean comes home second. I think they had, uh, you know, in the top four, you had uh, one of the other cars in there. And that's, uh, we're going to Indy. We're, we're heading to the magical month of May. That's where everything really begins to uh, take off for uh, IndyCar. And I think that uh, they're, they're on the right path right now. It seems like Andretti uh, Autosport is, is in the right direction. Well, I think not only uh, Autosport, Andretti is, but even the IndyCar series as a whole, they've had two really good races. Despite some of the carnage and some of your major players, like Dixon getting stuffed in the fence and Halio losing it right at the beginning of the race, that race at Texas was great. That bodes well for the oval track package coming up here when they get to the Indy 500 at the end of May. So I think IndyCar's on a good track. Uh, you throw together a couple of really good entertaining races, including entertaining 500. That raises the stock of IndyCar because the NASCAR races have been so lackluster and so that, yeah. boring if you will yeah I, I agree and and the whole thing is with them i wish they had a race this weekend they don't uh, they're going to be off and, and until the um uh, i always laugh at the grand prix of alabama that just doesn't uh, really make sense but uh, that's coming up on the 30th then you've got uh, the the gmr uh, grand prix at indy uh, I, I think that's on the 13th and then the 500 so all of that building really nice for indycar and um I, I, I think there's a lot of strength right there. Now they have now they have their own uh, reality show as well that's going to be on the CW, just like uh, the Live Golf Tour that's going to be the uh, 100 Days to Indy. And they're going to chronicle a lot of what we just saw this weekend at um, at Long Beach, and, and there was a lot. I mean, this whole thing, this is where, Bobby, we talk about it all the time on the live cast. When we talk about keyboard warriors and people kind of getting overboard, there were things that happened in that race. You don't need to be threatening lives of anybody, anybody, especially after a car race. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You and I were texting back and forth when we saw the statement that had to get put out by IndyCar. That's that's just crazy. There's no place in that. That kind of stuff. I mean, you really don't want to see it anywhere, but especially in motorsports. You know, the IndyCar series is super-duper diverse. Uh, with a big dip with with drivers coming from all over, so you just, I mean, you hate to see that in society nowadays. But I mean, even though, but especially not in motorsports, you're not supposed to see that kind of stuff with, especially with as close to the drivers as you can get with IndyCar and the fan interaction they have with motorsports. It's uh, closest thing you get to it is USFL. Where they yeah. talk to the players right in the middle of the field, so and, uh, that's the closest thing. And that's a whole thing, you know. We talk about it on this show all the time. Check out the podcast hornfm.com. When we talk about the accessibility of uh, going to an IndyCar race or a NASCAR race, and that's where uh, you know I, I, I'm not sure that this had a lot to do with that, but but again, we go back to one of the things that really irritates me, and I know it irritates you as well, is the folks that really just want to just want to bash racing. And it's one thing to to sit here and beat people up on social media, but you absolutely do not. You do not go in here. It's a really damn bad thing, Bobby, when when the NTT IndyCar Series has to release on Twitter on America's news source that 
that those actions will not be tolerated. I mean, how bad was it? I mean, we only see what we saw. It um, that that's ridiculous. That's totally uncalled for. Yeah, it's just uncalled for. It's not a cool thing. Uh, puts a black eye on the sport uh, or the fan base of the sport, if you will. And that's not something you want to see. It's really not. Yeah, but but going back to that, and and I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, I mean, because it's it's one of those things like. Uh, you know, I, I saw last week uh, during the Astros and the Rangers, they were playing. There was a guy out there running on the field, and they never even showed the guy. I don't want to sit here and talk about this whole situation. Let's go back and talk about Kyle Kirkwood winning that race for Andretti. I mean, he joins very elite company and in, in winning at Long Beach. Uh, I mean, it's Paul Tracy, Juan Pablo Montoya, Takuma Sato, Mike Conway. These are the guys that, that won their first races at Long Beach, which really is – one of the crown jewels. I mean, I, I know that IndyCar um, has kind of lost a little bit of luster, unfortunately, just just for whatever reason. But, I mean, we go back and we watch the weekend that we just saw at Long Beach with the IndyCar series. And, again, this is why I come on this show, and, and I may beat IndyCar up all the time, but it's because it really is so good. And I just wish that they – could do what Formula One and NASCAR do. It's um, it's one of the best series that you're going to find. I mean, dollar for dollar, wheel to wheel, yep, driver to driver. It doesn't get much better than IndyCar doesn't. when they get a chance to be on TV. We've always said their season's too short. It stops in October. It needs to go to at least November. Yes, you're going to go head to head with the NFL in the NFL, but NASCAR manages to do it. NASCAR's okay finishing second in the ratings to, to NFL Sunday Football. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the thing where we get back to IndyCar, you know, t- t- talking about them, you, you know, not racing until the 30th. It's like, dang it, I, I just wish that they could, if coming off of what we just saw and with everything they're doing with the CW thing, and, and that's great. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of folks on IndyCar forums, you know, beating them up about the CW. I don't care. I, I'm just glad that they are doing something to kind of build that up. I, I mean, because think about that. If you really want to do a documentary, if you really want to do a racing documentary series, how about building up the 100 days going up to Indianapolis? Because people, newer fans just don't get that. I mean, back, back in the day, back in the day, you know, we used to have, you know, with everything that, that you know, wide world of sports and everything that we had. But you want to get some behind the scenes stuff. That right there, that right there, especially now with the road course racing there on the Indy road course, that's going to be some really cool TV to watch. I just wish it was on a different platform. I don't care. I know Netflix crashed on Sunday night when they were trying to do something. People, check in. Follow this. 100 days to Indy on the CW. This is going to be really, really good. Well, it's one thing to promote the 100 days to Indy, but that's the, you know, the NASCAR's coming up with the Daytona 500 being a little bit more well-known than it was back in the day. Yep. But that's the world's most famous race, in my opinion, is the Indianapolis 500. There's people that don't know anything about racing, but they at some point in their life has either watched or listened to an Indianapolis 500 race in their lifetime. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's the one, you know, you you say it the best. I mean, when you go back and you wanted to be a race car driver, you would draw pictures of an Indy car. And you you thought of A.J. Foyt and Mario Andretti and all these uh, all these guys that have been. And, and here we are, 107 years, we're diving into this again to be able to channel this and, and to follow this. It um, I think it's going to be really cool. And um, I'm just glad. IndyCar, make some strides. Go. Go push this. Go, go assert yourself and prove how good you are. This is your chance if you're uh, the NTT IndyCar Series. 
Well, it's their chance. Let's hope they make the best of it and not step on their feet, trip over their own two feet like they have before. <laughs> uh, yes, that's uh, there's always that part. There's always that part. Good stuff right there. MotoGP in town uh, with Coda talking about everything that's coming up uh, at Circuit of the Americas, circuitoftheamericas.com, thecircuit.com. And, um, yeah. Let's uh let's let's get ready for that uh, Grand Prix of Alabama. Let's uh, talk some IndyCar as they have some good momentum going. Coming up, time to dive into the wacky world of NASCAR. Always, always something happening right there. We will talk about uh, the race that was there at Martinsville. Get a Talladega preview. Oh, by the way, somebody else got fined. There's more money on the line. We'll dig into all of that. The status that is NASCAR right now. This is Revved Up ATX on the horn. We are live, local, digital. It's 1049, 1019 FM, AM 1260. Streaming on the horn app. Flag on racing and motorsports coverage. It's revved up ATX from the horn where Austin talks racing. Time to go to Alabama, sweet home Alabama, Talladega coming up. Revved up ATX on the horn. Thank you all for being a part of the program on your Saturday morning as we roll up. TC Speaks coming up at 12. High noon as we get into that. 337-3776 is your Specs text line. Bobby, uh, a very good question right here that did come across, asking about what we were talking about there with uh, Alex Marquez, you know, uh, whatever happened to him at Coda, kind of uh, maybe he uh, kind of puked himself or whatever. And uh, somebody asking me, uh, d- did I ever do that? No, I never did when I raced, but I can tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing. We had a 50-lap race at Longhorn Speedway probably back in 1996, and I had been to Sam Hill's nacho bar and and everything that he had over there. It wasn't really a nacho bar. It was a concession stand. Uh, Maybe hit a Coca-Cola, whatever the case may have been. And um, at the end of that race, at the end of that race, I finished third. Uh, I had to get rid of that driving suit. It was no longer usable because um, I kind of – not a good thing in the car, but not from my mouth, not in my helmet, but from the other part. Yeah, I got to say, I've never had an instance like that. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten true, dizzy true, a couple of times. True story, dude. Uh, they're, they're, they're going through some of the corners when you're racing side by side. It's 120 degrees inside that race car. But uh, yeah, I haven't had to. I only had to get a new driving suit one because uh, I outgrew my other one. Uh, that's about the only time I needed to get a new one. But it's about time to get another one to get another car to start racing again. That's the, what we need to do. This was a deal to where I got out of that race car. And seriously, when you want to talk about, you know, they talk about swamp butt or whatever you want to say. I get out of that race car and, and, and like my pants are, or it was before the days of pants on the ground. I mean, because everything was kind of kind of below the, you know, the waistline or whatever or waistline. It, um, I, um. I couldn't hold it, but uh, I'll tell you what. If I remember correctly, when it actually happened, I made a pass for third, and uh, boom, there you go. So that's all that matters. Uh, the the $100 I made that night, um, you know, it cost me. I was upside down, um, but anyway, it um, it was a good thing. So, yes, it, it uh, you have no control. Remember Chris Busher on Twitter? Somebody asked him, what do you have, what do you do if you have to, 
whatever. I mean, you just you go. I, I mean, the, the, you can't stop. I mean, you can't stop. You you do what you have to do. Well, I think that uh, it would have been more fitting for you to be a number two finisher that night uh, <laughs> versus a number three finisher. But uh, I got to say, uh, you know, I think that uh, we've seen it. Some drivers do it. Some drivers don't. That's becoming a hot. I don't know why that's becoming a hot topic with the Internet debate here. Also, I saw it on a Reddit thread the other day on the NASCAR Reddit thread Dude. talking about the same thing. Which drivers do, which drivers don't. It's it's the new fans. I mean, it's it's newer fans that don't, don't they don't care about the racing. They don't care about that. It's those things because I mean, think about that. Five hundred miles. Uh, I mean, I, I'm about to. I'm driving to the beach this weekend, and that's uh, two hundred miles. I think if even that far, I'm probably going to have to hit every Bucky's that I can find. Probably even a, a, a QT or whatever. And uh, I mean, think about that. If, if you're in the race car, I mean, what do you do if you have to go? I mean, you just you. You go. I mean, you just do it, right? Well, the spotters do wear depends, especially in a long race like Daytona and Talladega, because they never get to take their eyes off the race car. So they've been known <laughs> to wear depends at the at the spotter stand, sit up on top, holding the binoculars there at Daytona and Talladega. That's right. That's right. Uh, speaking of of Talladega, here we go. Soap Opera Saturday continues. We're talking about uh, racing, uh, everything with MotoGP. That's where that conversation came from. Talking about IndyCar, you had drivers' lives that were threatened, and we're not going to sit here and, and be digging into that. But uh, now let's talk some NASCAR because it um, when when you want to talk about things happening that that maybe not on track related. NASCAR. Here we go. Kyle Larson wins at, at Martinsville. Not his best place. I, I mean, the, the race may have lacked or whatever. Um, we've been off for a couple of weeks. We had uh, the, the whole colleague Hendrick, all of that, with points being reinstated. NASCAR's in a, in, in a really weird spot right now to me, BC, because you've got NASCAR making calls on, on what they deem illegal or, or whatever. And, and there's no other way to say it. You're cheating. If you're not following the rules, you're cheating. You're getting thrown out is what's happening. But now you've got it's – like, it's like the BCS. You've got committees that come in, and the committee's going to do this, and now we have this with colleague where, where the call was made, and then it went to another committee. And, and NASCAR has kind of put themselves – and it's not so much NASCAR. It's, um, but I guess it is because NASCAR putting themselves in a very small box to where it's like – Okay, who's in control right here? And that's to me, that's that's the big question because it is who's in control. I mean, because it's like who are all these people making these decisions? Well, I think this motorsports appeal panel they they the NASCAR built themselves a small box with a small window mm-hmm. by having the not having the iron fist that they had. You know, back you know twenty thirty years ago when both Bill Francis were around junior and senior, it was whatever they said went. That was it. They dropped the hammer. They dropped the hammer, and they dropped the hammer hard. NASCAR's a little bit more of an open book, more of a, acting like a professional sports league now uh, with different kind of unofficial drivers unions, driver councils, uh, manufacturer councils, stuff like that. So when they make this appeal, they come from all over the place. Some of them are former track operators. Some of them are track promoters from all lock, walks of life, from NASCAR down to the NASCAR Weekly Racing Series. There's former drivers in there, former uh, OEM directors mm-hmm. and executives and stuff like that. So there's, you know, it's a wide range of people. They never tell you who's on the committee until after the fact. Uh, but I think it's weird that Hendrick initially got all their points and stuff back and Colleague <laughs> didn't. And the thing yeah. that surprised me the most was that uh, at the end, 
it wasn't something that was an on track issue that got caught during a actual race. It was something that was caught during a test day. I think that's why there was such an uproar about the the points and stuff being given back. If it happened during a race, you caught him at the end of the race. Sure, I that is, that's different, right? Yeah. Uh, that's one thing to just take it all away and be done with it. But it was a test session at which they found all this stuff, the louvers and stuff, on both Colleg Racing and Hendrick Motorsports. And I think this is where it's really that uh, that that questionable part and where I mean, and it's not uh, I mean, I feel bad for NASCAR because NASCAR is just doing what they do. I mean, NASCAR comes in and, and they drop the iron fist that we talk about, uh, but it's, it's like not up to them. And you know, like we talk about with the BCS, I mean, everybody states their case they go out there, they play their games, and boom, here we go, conference champions, all this. And then you have a committee that's going to come in and, and do whatever. And I'm glad. I mean, it worked out well the way everything has turned out to where people are getting their points back. And, and, and it really seems to be a, you know favorable that it's a better cause. It took a week and a half, and I think that's, that's really stupid. But here we are on Wednesday of this past week and you get the three car that that's come in and now they've been docked points and 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 that's a thing where bobby uh, so many people I, I think the common fan doesn't understand um you know when we talk about you know finding them however many dollars it costs they don't care about that part the points that's the big thing and and with Childress, 60 points, five playoff points, that right there. That can cost you a playoff berth. That can cost you a championship. That's where it is right there. And I just think that we need to get a little more consistent with how we're going to do this because uh, I'm assuming assuming that this is going to get overturned. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know because this one here, apparently they went in and they went, they, they started working in the underwing, the under part of the car. And I think that's where the different difference is compared to the louvers and all that. This, this here, this here is kind of something that I think that's going to really uh, shake up that sugar tree and really make things even more complicated than it was before. Well, the only saving grace this time is it's an L one penalty versus right. the L two penalty. That's going to help it out a lot. But I think obviously the the when the Hendrick cars got busted for the greenhouse a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Hendrick decided to say, "Hey, we're not going to appeal it." <laughs> they just took the they just took the penalty and and went with it, right? But now Childress is already saying he's going to do the appeal. It I don't know how much it costs for the appeal, but it you don't have anything to lose, right? Other than just cold hard cash, right? When yeah. you pay the fine to do the appeal, those points are important. That's what it's about. Yeah. Nobody care. I say nobody cares about the money, but these multi-million dollar teams, you know, a couple of a couple of thousand dollars here and there, up to you know, Hendrick felt that pinch with you know four hundred thousand dollars by four cars. Yeah. But um, you know, some of these guys don't care about the money. You're right; it's those points that matters the most. Yeah, the, the money is irrelevant, and you know, this is where we go back to to this. And and I, I got to tell you, the, the big problem that I have with this, and and I understand. I mean, I totally get it. You know, with the car and and everything. Um, and I do think that it's weird that here we are, you, you know, a, a year later after we were, uh, I mean, you and I both and a lot of people applauding what this race car has done for, uh, the competition for the NASCAR, uh, for the NASCAR world, everything we're a year later after this. And we're sitting here talking about how, uh, I mean, not you and I so much, but, but how changes need to be made to make the car better. Um, how there's no passing, how all of this is, uh, 
It's so funny now that it's more, uh, the car is more established. It's more in the hands of the teams. And now they, they are the ones, and, and Denny Hamlin, I, I mean, you know, I, I love the dude. I mean, one of the best, uh, Hall of Famer, first ballot. But uh, talking about no passing and you need more horsepower and all this, I remember when they said it's too much horsepower. We got to limit all this. And, and here we are. It's a different day and time. And, 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 you know, I think that when you really go back and look at this race car, I heard this explained during the week to where this is a big old fat wide tire. This car is 200 pounds, at least 200 pounds heavier than what it was before. It's not designed to do what it's doing. And um, I don't know, you know, the, the, the natives are restless is really what this comes down to. Well, I just think there's so many, everybody's got a plan to fix it, but yet there's no real fix for it. Somebody says, take away the downforce. Well, they took away a bunch of downforce. It still didn't change it. Now they're talking about putting more horsepower in it. Well, that's you know NASCAR has the reasoning behind some of the the lower down uh, the lower horsepower numbers was to try to get another OEM manufacturer in there. The problem is is that there's not another OEM manufacturer that has a V8. If you think about Toyota, Toyota was running truck blocks inside their their race cars because that's what they had. Now the Toyota uh, Tundra pickup. They don't offer a V8 anymore. Yeah. It's a twin turbo V6. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of manufacturers that have a, a, you know V8 options out there. So I, I think now, you know, what do you do? Do you make the product better with the three OEMs that you have, or do you come through and and try to just keep it status quo, have a lower appreciated series just to get a fourth manufacturer in there? I think you fix what you can fix now and make the product better because realistically, we're diehard fans. We're going to watch. But they're losing those casual fans because these races, you know, a majority of these races this year have just sucked. They've they been have. boring as hell. They really have. And and the whole thing is, I mean, with with the Martinsville, with with all of this, I mean, I mean, Coda Coda was good. I mean, we had everything that happened right there. But uh, I mean, for the for the you know the most part of that, it, it just really wasn't what we expected. And and when you see a Martinsville race. You would expect that you're going to have uh, some fireworks. But again, this is where I'm going to dive into where NASCAR, with the diversity of the schedule, where they're being smart. I mean, I know they didn't plan this this way, but we've had all of this happening. We have, we've had the penalties and all this, and here we are complaining about the short track package and the, and the rain, uh, the rain uh, package or, uh, you know, whatever. None of that matters this weekend because we're going to Talladega. And this is where you're going to have maybe a Corey LaJoy who is, man, if that dude wins, this is this is where when we talk about, you know, with Dale Jr. and all the excitement of NASCAR Nation, Bobby, if, if, if Corey LaJoy wins tomorrow, I think this is where people are going to be like, okay, everything is good. Front Row Motorsports is going to be really good. Rick Ware Racing is going to be really good. This is where this is where the car becomes an equalizer, and I I know they didn't foresee all of the uh, all of the uh, you know naysay or whatever, but Talladega is going to squash a bunch of that. I think. Well, I think it has to. I, yeah, I really it think will. it does. Yeah. Uh, but there's no there's no doubt about it. It's got to put some of these extra. Uh, issues to rest but uh you know the one thing that uh we will say about talladega is not only is the infield wild and crazy the reaction on the racetrack is going to be good i think the daytona 500 was probably the the second best race of the year behind coda 
So I'm hoping Talladega ranks up there real good. And, you know, and the one thing we forgot this whole show mm. is we forgot that Chase Elliott's back. That I, I was actually going to bring that up because we saw an increase in the TV ratings. We we saw uh, that kind of uptick right there, and boom, here he is, and he and he gets a top ten. And uh, I mean, seriously, how big is that? Because I think that's one of the biggest flaws that folks don't understand is that when you want to talk about the the suckish suckishness of NASCAR, is you lose Jeff Gordon. You lose Tony Stewart. You lose all these guys. Jimmy Johnson. They they all walk away at one time. Chase Elliott has been the one. He's a people's champion for a reason. What's it? Five straight times, you know, most popular driver. And boom, here he comes. The TV ratings are up, and and he silently puts himself into the top ten. And that's um, I mean, when you want to talk about hidden theories, uh, if I'm if I'm NASCAR, if I'm the France family, I'm like, uh, hey, uh, Chase, when are you gonna be ready, dude? We need you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know that's, you know, helicopter theory, but, uh, man, it's good to have him back. I mean, that's good for business. Numbers don't lie, dude. I mean, there's got to be some kind of correlation. Uh, that many people tuned into a Martinsville race. That's, I mean, sure, it was a short track package. It's a real famous racetrack, and it's known for its hot dogs. But that race, I mean, it just didn't. it just didn't do it for me. It really didn't, but I was glad to see Chase Elliott back. And it seemed like he was in a little different mindset. You know, he's a recluse. You know, the sports most popular driver flies his plane back and forth from Dawsonville to Charlotte. Uh, and so that's really, you know, doesn't spend a lot of time with the fans. But the couple of interviews he did, he spent 30 minutes on Pat McAfee's show. Yeah. And then he had a, a real good interview with Clint Boyer at the beginning of the pre-race and stuff. So he's kind of come out of his shell a little bit. So hopefully... Uh, he doesn't go back into his shell and continues to kind of blossom out of that shell and become the people's, the real people's champion, right? Where he's out and about in the crowds and stuff like that. That's yeah. what you want to see. Kind of like Dale Jr. was years and years ago. You got to be a Dale Jr. You got to be a Daryl Waltrip. You got to be one of these guys. You, you got to own that role. I mean, that that that's really important. And the, the whole thing with this, you know, I tweeted last week where it's like, okay, Chase is going to come back. He's going to win Martinsville. Then he'll take off for um, for for Talladega just because, you know, what, what could happen there. And I think that's one of the things to where uh, stuff is being built up about Chase and, and is he going to make the playoffs. He's going to make the playoffs. I, I I have no concern over that, but that's okay. If we can, if this can be built up to where it's something to where we're going to get folks interested in watching Chase Elliott, what he does. I mean that that that's great. I mean we need that. But I do want to I do want to touch on something, Bobby. What when it comes to I see a lot of folks frowning on the Fox broadcast, and, and you know Mike Joy. Mike Joy is nails. I mean Mike Joy is one of the guys that I listen to him, and I try to pattern things that I do when I'm calling races after him. But I really think because I listen to some of these races when they're popping guys in, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's great. Have Tony, Danica, I mean, have all these people. But they got to get more consistent with that booth. And and I think because the continuity is not there. And I think that's super important. And, again, I know that next year we're going to have Harvick in there. It'll be Harvick, Boyer, and 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 Mike Joy, I'm assuming. But it um, – that presentation is tremendous, and I really see. I mean, I love our friends at Fox. I mean, I am a Fox fan, but it. Um, I I see them kind of stumbling around, and I wish that they would kind of. I mean, nail the booth better. Nail that booth for the final push. I mean, let let's let's um let's make it more precision, in my opinion. Well, I mean, part of it boils down to Clint Boyer a little bit. Obviously, he's he's not the most polished 
broadcaster, but that's what I like about it good. is the fact that that's good. They yeah. don't have a leash on him and he gets to be himself. That's what that's what I like about it. But when you're just when it's just the two of them, it's not bad. But you keep putting that third wheel in there. Right. I think they have the best continuity with Tony Stewart. I thought Tony Stewart's analysis at the Bristol dirt race was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think Clint Boyer's experience on dirt made that. I thought that the race that was the best race from that booth was the Bristol dirt race. So, yeah, I think they need to nail it. I don't think Mike Joy's going anywhere. I think if you have somebody with the caliber and just natural giftedness of Kevin Harvick with his ability to be on TV, when we've seen what he can do over the last four or five years, I, I think that's only going to make the Fox booth stronger. I think the 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 production of NASCAR as a whole is a little dated yeah. compared to what you see with Formula One with yep. the extra graphics and all that stuff. So that's something I think both networks need to work on. But also think we're coming up on this new package. Or this new TV deal, that's going to change a lot of NASCAR stuff right there when we get to this new package, and you're going to see new graphics. We might even see a new, a third uh, broadcaster pop in for some of the stuff we've been hearing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's wide open, and there's a lot of money on the line right here. But but you know, it goes it goes down to you want to be entertained, you want to be able to, and that's where I go with with NBC. I mean, you know who the booth is. I mean, you know who you're getting when 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 they come in, and you know Rick Allen a lot of times gets uh, overshadowed because you got Junior and 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 these guys that are doing their thing, but it. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that that's something that Fox, I mean, Fox innovator, absolute innovator in making NASCAR coverage. Um, I wish they would just kind of tweak that up just, just a little bit, just a little bit, especially here for the stretch run as we get into May. Yeah, a little little change isn't going to hurt anything at all over there. Yeah, no doubt. Good stuff right there. NASCAR, the uh, soap opera Saturday, talking about all of the stuff right there, penalties, uh, everything. I mean, NASCAR is the gift that keeps on giving, and that's why they are just like the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, soccer. They're the ones that just keep giving you stuff, even when it's not um, the actual race day. That's what NASCAR does. Coming up, pit stop news and notes, places for races, lots more to break down. As we roll on your Saturday, it is revved up ATX on a loaded Saturday on the horn. It's hashtag real race talk. Restaurant. She said she was fresh from the farm And I remember thinking for a country girl That she went pretty well on We sat there talking by the lobster tank I ordered her a slow gin fizz And when them chicken fried steaks arrived She said I like living like this Right there guys so Sammy Kershaw brings us back, revved up ATX on the horn. Of course, right there, Friday night, cokefest.com. Get those tickets. I mean, the VIP stuff, all of that is uh, gone. Sammy Kershaw will be one of many. Bobby, uh, that that right there, when we talk local racing, little, uh, Queen of the Double Y trailer, really good. Uh, we may have heard that song a time or two with... Uh, Mr. Kershaw right there is he will be one of the headliners coming up at Coke Fest. Uh, what a great uh, event that's going to be out at Hutto. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Queen of the Double Y trailer has been a theme song for some of our local racing fans, uh, <laughs> local racing family members, but we love them I've all. I've been there, my man. I have been there back in the day before I moved to the suburbs. I, um, I've been there. I wasn't a queen, though. Or maybe I was. Hell, I don't know. 
but anyway. At that point, you didn't know, right? Wasn't, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't, wasn't uh, in question at that time. Yeah, it really was not a, a question. Uh, great program here. Uh, Soap Opera Saturday, as we've talked about, along the lines of that. Um, just talking about uh, just good racing stuff. Uh, revved up ATX on the horn. Uh, stick around. Tyler Campbell coming up at the top of the hour as he uh, he's going he's gonna to make your Saturday a lot better. As we dive in, pit stop news and notes. And Bobby, talking about all the stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, when we talk about goats, uh, you know, I, I know folks talk about, and speaking of that, Bobby, I want your thoughts before we dive into this. I meant to ask you about this. NASCAR dropping that 75 greatest racers and all this stuff. Jimmy Johnson hadn't been uh, on the list yet. Uh, I mean, we've seen some good ones. Uh, Tony Stewart on there, Greg Biffle, uh, I mean, Randy LaJoy. I mean, they keep dropping him. Where the hell's Jimmy Johnson, my man? He uh, Maybe he's still active. Maybe that's a problem. Well, wait, Kyle Larson's on there as well. I think he'll be up there eventually. I mean, you think about the way they did the 50 best drivers. You better be. uh, you'd have to have those 50 drivers, plus there's room for 25 more. Uh, there's been lots of great drivers in the span of the last 25 years from when they did the 50 greatest drivers. So I think just calm yourself. He's a seven-time Cup Series champion, tied with the legendary Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. He's going to be on that list. He'll be just fine. It's just a matter of time. No doubt. No doubt. Speaking of the GOATs, we saw Tony Stewart, obviously, you know, race race owner there, uh, Stewart Haas Racing. I mean, everything that, that he has done on that list that we were just talking about. Dude goes out and he wins uh, in the uh, – <laughs> wins in the NHRA and to see him kind of progress into what he's doing right now it uh he's making himself a really great case right there and here is where we talk about Bobby with uh with IndyCar and NHRA about their struggles about maybe they don't have the leverage of Formula One and, and NASCAR and whatever it um Tony Stewart winning winning uh, you know pro pro racing uh, what, what was he gas a gas eliminator I think it was uh alcohol pro uh, alcohol, alcohol alcohol him winning races there uh, in in HRA boom there you go that the, that right there is pretty cool stuff I mean that's what it's about right I mean he's he's, he's gone in both feet uh, not only when he married the drag racer Leah Pruitt uh, but he went in and got the Don Schumacher full uh, funny car team with Matt Hagen and then you obviously got the top fuel team with his wife uh, he's gone full feet in, uh, dedicated himself to the craft and wins the Wally. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, that's not something a lot of people can say uh, that they were a Cup Series winner and a NHRA winner. And and IndyCar. I mean, he's won in IndyCar. And IndyCar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is, and then he won Leah Pruitt crying out loud i mean to me that's the best prize of them all i mean forget the wally <laughs> that uh that's good stuff uh formula one they're off uh they're back on the 28th but uh, carlos Sainz and ferrari trying to uh, uh they allege their protest you know talking about everything with nascar and all of that uh he he goes from uh p4 to p12 uh, nothing uh, i mean that all of that happening they, they head to azerbaijan as we always mispronounce it but uh uh, go time for Formula One. Uh, anybody, anybody going to put a kink in that Red Bull armor? And, and I, I do want to say that that signs contact was with our man, Fernando Alonso. So here we go. Alonso's still in the middle of all this. I think that there's a chance, right? The Red Bulls had a little bit of stumble right at the beginning there in Australia. Uh, but I think this, this is such a cool circuit coming up, racing within the streets uh, of Baku right in there at the Azerbaijan, because we never get it right, Grand Prix. <laughs> uh, but it'll be a fun little race. I'm looking forward to that. We'll have uh, have more discussions on that next week. That's right. And I will say the good thing about it is as much as we want to talk about Formula One kind of stretching itself out a little bit, he had a five-second penalty, and it moved him from fourth 
to 12th. So that tells you it is a little bit tighter than we, you know, may, may want to actually let it be because it, it, it's tighter behind the, the, the front of the pack. Uh, super excited for our friends at Texas Motor Speedway. We've talked to them uh, many times here on uh, Revved Up ATX. Coming up uh, May 12th through the 21st, the PBR World Finals happening at Texas Motor Speedway. And, and, and again, this is Bobby. We talk about so many times. It's got to be about uh, multi-purpose facility, whatever. They don't have the dirt track. Bring the damn rodeo in there for crying out loud. Boom, there you go. That that will be a lot of fun. You got the stockyards. You got everything not far from there. Good job, TMS. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's almost as much fun as having a Rolling Stone concert down there on the French straightaway that brought in a couple of hundred thousand people. So I don't think it'll bring in that many people, but it's all, we always say that the racetrack is more than just a racetrack. It's an event center. It is a place to be. Multi-purpose is how they do it. We've talked to the guys at TMS, how they like to have all kind of stuff there happening every day. Because as long as something's happening at racetrack, that's money coming in. And as long as there's money coming in, more that's coming out, the racetrack will stay a racetrack. And that's what we like to see. And that's right, because we talk about Soap Opera Saturday. You got to be good, guys. You, you can't be beating racetracks up because one of these days, if you keep doing that, you may drive out there on 114 or 35 West South, whatever it's called, and um, that bad boy may be gone. And I don't think that's what you want because everybody misses them when they're gone, Bobby. We see it across that's the right. country. We see it across the country. It's like, oh, my God. I had so many great memories at that racetrack. And I'm like, well, on Facebook, you were beating them up in their final days. So got to be better about that. Places for races, my friend. What's going on this weekend? Uh, not a whole lot comparably to big races. The uh, ARCA race for Talladega is on right now on FS1. It started uh, at 1130. Uh, if you just stick on FS1, after that, about 3 o'clock, the Xfinity race, the Ag Pro 300 from Talladega is on FS1 as well. Uh, Supercross from MetLife Stadium tonight on Peacock. Uh, gate drop a little earlier, 6 p.m. versus the 7 that it normally is. Uh, tomorrow, uh, you've got the Cup Race from Talladega, uh, Network Fox. The Network Fox pre-race is at uh, 1, and the Geico 500 starts at 2. Uh, that's pretty much it. As we said, IndyCar off till next weekend in Birmingham and Formula 1 off. And so that's a, that's not a lot going on, but just pop it on Fox and FS1, and you'll get your racing picks in. That's right. Check out that Talladega. Forget about all the drama that we've been watching on the short tracks. None of that short track package, none of that downforce stuff matters anymore because it's time to go big track racing. That's coming up, going to Talladega. Bobby, man, thank you. Uh, great stuff. Uh, good to be back on the air, my man. Yeah, lots of fun. I always love, I always love when we're in the studio. That's it. Hashtag Real Race Talk. It is revved up ATX on the Horn. We're live, local, digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Stick around. TC Speaks is coming up.